I'm Ava Hartling. Welcome to the Brandis Female Podcast. Every week, I speak with women changemakers and founders who are redefining the rules of female leadership. This season of our podcast is brought to you by TD Women in Enterprise. TD helps women in business achieve success and growth through their educational workshops, financing, and mentorship. Visit thebrandisfemale.com slash podcast and follow the link to find out how TD can help. The new year is here and our resolutions are too, but focusing on our self-care and wellness should always be the focus, no matter the time of year. That's why I'm thrilled to introduce a special series on The Brandis Female over the next few weeks. Presented by Atleta, this series of conversations features women who embody different aspects of wellness, from sports to mental health and more, and by the same token, who empower women and girls everywhere. In support of Atleta's commitment to help women and girls ignite their limitless potential, they've partnered with Toronto Six, Canada's only women's professional hockey team. This partnership truly boosts visibility of women's sports and female athletes, which in turn will increase mentorship opportunities and positively impact the next generation of girls. Toronto Six joins the likes of Simone Biles and Alison Felix as athletes who have partnered with Atleta. I'm a huge admirer of Atleta's dedication to uncompromising product perfection. Their beautiful, technical, and sustainable clothing supports women and girls in every aspect of our lifestyles, from yoga and training to travel and even sleep. To top things off, Atleta is a certified B Corp and 70% of their products are made using sustainable materials. Shop Atleta at atleta.gapcanada.ca and visit Atleta stores at Vancouver's Park Royal or at Toronto's Yorkdale Mall and follow them on Instagram at Atleta. This week, my guests are Jen Murtagh and Sonia Bicogli-Foley, the founders of Matern, a platform they created to shift the narrative and support systems around mat leave in Canada so that more working mothers can continue to advance in their careers and retain positions of leadership with greater support from their employers, from partners, and from like-minded mothers along the way. Here is our conversation. Jen and Sonia, it is such a pleasure welcoming you on The Brand is Female today. I'm so glad you could find time and join me. Thanks, Ava. We're so happy to be here. Thank you. I always start these conversations by going backwards a little bit, going back in time. Uh, I want to do the same with you two today. And I'd like to ask you, growing up, what did you dream you'd be doing as a career later in life? And did it, you know, connect with what you ended up doing? Did it have, uh, do you have an inkling already of the kind of career that you would be having today? Or was it something that was entirely different for you? Gosh, well, I, I'll go. Um, I grew up in Sweden um, after my parents fled Iran as refugees. So we moved around quite a bit. And then we moved to Canada when I was 11. And when I think back about what I envisioned myself to do was really about having an impact. I really wanted to make an impact. I always knew we were very privileged to have left Iran safely and that my cousins and my family in Iran had a very different life and reality than I did. Um, even on my worst days, they would, you know, that, that was a privilege. So very early on, I wanted to have that impact and, and help others. And I think, you know, a bit of survivor's guilt for sure. Um, so I started in media because I wanted to have a voice for the voiceless and, and wanted to shed light on 
issues impacting women and in particular women in the Middle East. But after having the opportunity to be on the radio, I pursued more school, I traveled, I worked in credit unions and not-for-profits and the corporate world and most recently in government. I think it all came back full circle to wanting to impact women, to support women. I've always Mm. had a keen interest in issues that impact women. And after becoming a mother, um, I'm a mom of two, I felt more comfortable in my skin, but also I felt this bigger responsibility to do something that is truly aligned with my values and and what I believe in. So um, co-founding Matern is I wake up every day feeling like this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing right now. So yes and no, it like had a very, you know, like lots of moving around, you know, a very random upbringing, but I think the impact piece has always been consistent and I suppose full circle. Mm, I was going to say you've come full circle that uh, I love that journey. And Jen, what was that, uh, you know, what were you dreaming of doing later in life as a, as a young girl? Well, birds of a feather flock together, I guess, because (laughs) yeah, as a little girl, I, uh, I definitely always wanted to help. I was quite a helper uh, as a little girl. And, you know, I think I innately knew from a very young age that I wanted to make the world a better place. I had a deep sense that uh, the world was really unjust and that some people, you know, and that were born in other countries, you know, had, you know, way more privilege because of that. And so, you know, I grew up in the time where the Ethiopian famine was really front and center on TV all the time. And mm-hmm. I, and as a seven-year-old and, and growing up exposed to that, I knew that I wanted to do something that would always help people. And so that probably was a huge part of inspiring to move for my career into nonprofit. And as I advanced my career in nonprofit, you know, gender equity issues, uh, and, you know, w- women specifically became a really important uh, point for me in terms of how having helping women to become more of who they are. Because I think if I look back on the history of even my family, uh, paternal and maternal, it was generations of women that, you know, really just supported uh, you know, what they were married into and didn't really have their own future and their own decision making. And I wanted to be part of that generation that changed that. So working in mm. gender, gender equity and helping support women uh, and mothers specifically, you know, became really important to me as I grew up as well. So you definitely have that in common, and obviously your your initiative, Matern, you know, shows your your commit your commitment to making that change happen and impacting women's lives. I'm curious, who was an inspiration to you? And this could have been growing up, could have been in your studies, or even even later, even now. Um, you know, are there strong women role model who kind of help shape uh, your your journey? Women that you looked up to, or maybe your role models are not women, and that's okay too. Sonia, do you want to go first? Sure, sure. Yeah, um, so many. I, there's, there's no way I would um, be able to do what I do um, without the support of my whole community and village. That has, um, you know, I feel I have. I'm so grateful for all the people that have um, continued to mentor me, 
um, inspire me and motivate me. And but but one person, obviously, that I think um, my my mom, she has always, um, and my dad, they they're two of the you know hardest working people I know, and and honestly, I get so much inspiration from them. And I remember attending university lectures in Sweden when I was like five years old at the University of Stockholm with my mom. She mm. pursued her education after she had kids. And she was, you know, she was a young mom. She was 24 years. Oh no. Yeah. She was 24 when she had me, but you know, late twenties when she was in university. And I remember those days where she would drag me to those uni- weekend university lectures. And, you know, with two young kids, that's, that's not easy to do as a new immigrant. Don't, you know, that's not your first language, but yet she had this dream of pursuing education and she was relentless with that. And so she is a huge inspiration to me and, and, and always has been. Mm. And Jen. Yeah, I think for me, it was a teacher in high school, to be honest with you. Uh, she saw mm-hmm. something in me that I didn't see. And uh, she kept telling me, you know, this is just small world high school, like you just wait, mm-hmm. when you get to university, when you get to college, like the whole world's going to open up for you. And there's so much potential for you. She kept saying that to me over and over. And she was a huge part of my life. I actually invited her to my wedding. Uh, and I still stay mm-hmm. connected to her. And I'm 43. So that was, you know, a hot minute ago. Uh, and I think someone when somebody, especially when you're younger, sees something in you that you don't see, uh, it gives you that, you know, sense of confidence. And, you know, someone having that belief in you was really transformational for me at an important time in my life. Mm-hmm. I have that in common with you. There's a, a teacher I can remember who really had an, an impact on my life. And it was kind of a similar, you know, realization that there is something beyond high school. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I, well, I do want to talk about Matern and I think um, the easiest is to ask you to describe what Matern offers, but also the question I want to I want to know is what led you to want to create a program like Matern? And obviously we know, uh, you know, there are gaps in our system when it comes to supporting uh, women who have children, women going on mat leave. And I think Canada is in a great place compared to a lot of countries uh, around the world, but we know the system is far from perfect. And there is such a thing as the, the motherhood penalty. And I think that's what you're striving to address. So I'd love to get your take on how Matern came about and what you were, uh, what issues you were uh, aiming to tackle and how the program works today. Whoever wants to go first. Yeah, I'll, I'll chat. Uh, you know, Matern was really inspired originally from my own experience on maternity leave. And then it was obviously further informed by a lot of research uh, and a lot of other lived experiences of mothers. But, you know, I believe sometimes our callings come from a place of what we would hope to be better in the world. Sometimes they come from a place of maybe even pain and suffering. And Mm. so I had a huge challenge with my firstborn. She's now 12. um, And what that transition was like for me. And I returned to work really a shell of a human (laughs) compared to what I was when I left. And I know that it could 
have been different. Uh, and I and I deeply want it to be different for women that come after us. You know, and in addition to that, uh, Sonia and I both had you know really been very entrenched in the women's leadership space for well over a decade, uh, at least in Vancouver locally, and we both sort of remarked you know, no one's really talking about this maternity leave and what it does to a woman's confidence, her career trajectory, and also, you know, how that motherhood penalty is so pervasive. Like, how could we turn this in to the motherhood opportunity? What could that do for our organizations, especially mm-hmm. in terms of attract, attracting and retaining mothers as part of the workforce? Because we can see right now, you know, through all the research that's happened in the last year, that mothers are leaving in droves. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's a reason for that. Uh, and, you know, the motherhood penalty is certainly a big part of that equation. And so, we're hoping to pe- really be able to close that gap and to continue to move women forward with a program like Matern. I mean, anything mm-hmm. else to add there, Sonia? No. <laughs> you, you nailed it. <laughs> and so tell me a little bit about how, uh, what benefits can women expect from Matern? How do they enroll? Uh, you know, what what does it entail to s- someone who's interested and signing up and learning more, what would be uh, kind of the process? Yeah, so it's a, um, we deliberately developed a hybrid hybrid model for Matern, um, where there are many ways of participation. Um, So the first component is an online uh, model where you log in and have access to eight modules that essentially take you from the moment you know you're expecting a baby, whether you're a birthing or a non-birthing mother, we're inclusive of all mothers, um, Mm -hmm. all the way up until the first two months back at work. So there are so many transitions that mothers go through, um, and that begins when you know you're having a child. And so we really wanted to build something comprehensive that supports mothers through all the transitions. Mm -hmm. Um, So the first component is that online modules, eight modules with guest expert videos, workbooks, um, and relevant resources. The second component are live group coaching sessions. Um, So we have three calls per month to really bring women together and facilitate um, raw and real conversations. Um, the third component is um, an online community platform where mothers and participants can really connect with one another. One of the most mm-hmm. used words in our own survey earlier this year to describe maternity leave was isolation. So we mm-hmm. really want to build community where women feel more connected with one another. That's amazing and so important to tackle. And I was reading some of the stats and, you know, just in Canada, uh, it's it looks like it's 375,000 women who take mat leave mm-hmm. every year. And then I believe this was, uh, this this these are numbers that, that you used uh, when talking about matern. Um, a survey showed that it's only less than 1% mm-hmm. who reported feeling confident returning to work. So there is definitely that, um, you know, stigma attached with uh, women's re-entry after mat leave and what reason, right? We've all witnessed how hard that can be. And I want to ask, what role do organizations play in that? What role do employers play and what needs to change in our system so that these numbers look different? Sonia, go ahead. Sure. So, yeah, this is a... um, 
this is a, a, a really serious business issue. We are, um, you know, when we look at the stats and the data, what we're seeing is that um, mothers are returning back to work feeling unsupported and not mm-hmm. really ready to live out their, for their full potential. And so when you have employees that are not feeling engaged, that's a big problem for every business. And so the opportunity that lies within businesses to support mothers is significant. As mm-hmm. you can see, and as you I'm sure have read up on the, the numbers, there's, there's a huge, there's huge room for improvement, right? So if less than 1% of mothers feel confident returning back to work, there's a lot of room for improvement there to further support mothers. Mm-hmm. And we really believe that um, when we support mothers, we can really change and improve our organizations, our communities, our societies, our economy, right? We mm-hmm. need mothers to continue to have children because we need baristas, we need, you know, accountants, mm-hmm. we need lawyers, mm-hmm. we need we need our population to grow. So there is a, a direct impact on our on our economy. And so a motherless workforce is a very scary thing. And if we don't pay particular attention to supporting mothers during these pivotal transitions, um, we can be looking at a potential, you know, motherless workforce that I don't think anyone would benefit from. Mm, absolutely. And uh, I'm curious to know what the support, what the, the reaction was, you know, when you first came out with the idea of Matern and, uh, you know, you've had uh, large employers, uh, you know, important companies join you. I was reading that uh, software company SAP was one of the first, you know, yeah. to join Matern and support Matern's program. Um, so what what were reactions like to what you were proposing um, since this is quite, uh, this is quite groundbreaking and you're kind of pioneering, you know, an entirely new service uh, for, for mothers? Yeah, it's been overwhelmingly positive. I mean, most of the organizations we've spoken to, we've spoken to the CHRO level, the Chief Human Resources Officer, or the Head of Diversity and Inclusion. The majority Mm -hmm. so far of those roles have been women, and a lot of them have been mothers. And so the feedback was, wow, I wish this program would have existed when I was going through my maternity leave. It would have been super helpful. Uh, And so it's been overwhelmingly positive. So organizations absolutely see the motherhood penalty as a problem. Like they understand Mm. the data. Uh, And so, you know, we have some early adopters like SAP. We've spoken to, you know, a lot of organizations at this point across Canada. And Mm. a lot of them are already, you know, planning to put it into their budget for 2022. Some of those organizations, bigger in scope, global in nature for 2023 even. But they see this as an imperative for their business in order to attract and retain female talent. And a lot of, you know, women are specifically looking at organizations now because they know that they might want to start a family at some point. And so they're looking at organizational benefits. And that's, Mm -hmm. you know, you see in, in even Silicon Valley, you know, the Facebooks of the world, or I guess Meta now, uh, Google started looking at things like, you know, benefits around egg freezing, around, you know, paying for IVF, uh, uh, all those types of benefits because they really want to attract female talent. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a lot of organizations understand how Matern will help them do that. And so, you know, Mm -hmm. we're obviously super pleased to be working with an organization like SAP, who has, you know, always demonstrated uh, their, you know, the importance of investing in women. 
I think something else that's interesting, if I could add, is that, you know, with equity, diversity and inclusion being at the forefront of every sector right now, Matern is a tangible and concrete tool to really advance and further retain mothers in the workforce right. um, by creating these long-term investment strategies that's li- that's rooted in, in lived experience and, and data. So um, there's really multilateral benefits of supporting mothers, uh, specifically, you know, throughout the maternity leave journey. So, um, you know, I think a lot of organizations are looking at how they can embed matern within their EDI strategies as well. This season of The Brand is Female is made possible with the support of TD Women and Enterprise, and they're about confidently building you. As a woman entrepreneur myself, I know I need all the support I can get. It takes sound advice plus guidance to the right connections, tools, and resources. What's great about TD services for women in business is their collaborative approach. TD can facilitate and connect you to workshops, coaching, and mentorship, and they engage other like-minded business leaders in an authentic way so we can share experiences and learn from each other. TD Women and Enterprise has banking specialists who are able to be proactive in the advice and guidance they give to women in business. Our special wellness conversation series is brought to you by Atleta. Atleta is designed for mothers, daughters, sisters, and friends of all ages that are leading active lifestyles. Whether you're on the go, seeking inner balance and wellness for yourself, or taking part in an active life that involves friends, school, and sports, Atleta has the clothes you need to keep moving. I love that Atleta offers clothing in sizes XXS to 3X and works to create the best product and shopping experience for all bodies. Shop Atleta at atleta.gapcanada.ca, visit Atleta at Vancouver's Park Royal or at Toronto's Yorkdale Mall, and follow them on Instagram at Atleta. We can't ignore the impact of the pandemic. We've been, you know, hearing words like the she session. And we know that, uh, you know, our 18 months and counting of, you know, living in the reality of this pandemic has really affected everybody around the world. But women are bearing the brunt of it with, you know, job losses, uh, increased responsibilities around childcare and other duties at home, mm-hmm. and ultimately a lot of women having to even, you know, step away from the workforce because they have to care for their family, their children, and so on. Um, how do you think and what are you seeing in terms of the impact for uh, women, mothers in Canada specifically? And, you know, is that, are you shifting your strategy at, at all to address the direct impact of the pandemic in, in this regard? Well, What we know is that the pandemic has demonstrated the significant inequities that mothers face. Mm-hmm. And it has, you know, maternity leave without a pandemic is difficult and isolating and challenging and, and meaningful and joyful as well. But there are many, right. you know, <laughs> difficult parts about it and are big, a lot of transitions that I think um, aren't normalized. So at a pandemic, Um, to that means a lot of isolation. There's no more, you know, ability to get out. And perhaps, I mean, now restrictions have opened up a little bit, right? And yes. you're able to go out and, and grab a cup of coffee and, and, you know, perhaps a lunch with a friend. But 
Um, I think the, the isolation piece has worsened with the pandemic, Mm -hmm. um, being inside with a baby. Um, if you have, you know, a baby that perhaps cries several hours a day and you don't have support because, um, there's a lot of fear around the pandemic, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And so a lot of mothers are just stuck at home all alone without their communities and and without the ability to socialize. Mm. And I personally think it's like frustrating that, you know, it irks me (laughs) how disproportionately affected mothers have, you know, been, you know, the research will show that women still hold 75% of domestic and caregiving responsibilities. Uh, And, you know, the research will show that men hasn't haven't been as disproportionately affected. And and mm-hmm. so that's frustrating that we're in 2021, we're still at this place where, you know, women are, are holding so much that they're having to leave the workforce. Uh, mm-hmm. And so one of the one of the things that we do address, uh, you know, in in Matern is what your partnerships look like. This is the right. foundational time, this point in your life when you have a first child with a partner is the time when you want to start talking about what does an equitable partnership plan look like in our household? Whether you're mm-hmm. in a same-sex relationship or a heterosexual relationship, whatever that looks like from a partnership perspective. Like, so we have a whole module that specifically talks about your equitable partnership plan. We actually provide a spreadsheet that um, you can sit down with your partner and take an inventory as to like who's doing what in the household. Because this is one of the things that contributes to burnout um, mm-hmm. in women. You'll see them exiting, maybe not right after the baby's born, but maybe about five years down the road uh, when they've been holding so much. So, you know, obviously gender norms are still entrenched, but we really want to challenge that. And so uh, a big part of that is talking about what does equitable partnership parenting look like in your partnership? Um, And how do you avoid maternal gatekeeping? Uh, How do you address Mm. strategic incompetence? How to watch for resentment? Um, And how do you truly build a partnership that's going to support you in the long term? Because what we Mm kind of see happening for a lot of mothers is that while they're on maternity leave, they're assuming more of the caregiving and domestic responsibilities because they're likely taking a longer leave than their partner if they're taking one at all. And there's never a discussion about when they go back to work, oh, hey, I've been kind of cooking dinner five out of seven nights this week, or I've been doing all of these things. How's that going to change now? You know, Mm. what does this look like now that I'm returning to work? I certainly never had that conversation. I just assumed the load of all of that and then assumed another full-time job. (laughs) And then, you know, that starts to create a lot of challenges in the partnership, Mm. but also in in how much you're taking on. So anyways, mm-hmm. sorry, I just had a Gender rant on that. <laughs> yeah. No, those are, those are really good points. And uh, thank you for, for bringing that up. Um, something else I was surprised to read about, I mean, not, not entirely shocked, but the numbers show that, you know, in Canada, mothers earn salaries that are on average 12% lower compared with non-mothers. And uh, these women are 8.2 times less likely to receive a promotion compared to women without children. And this, in addition to knowing that women typically earn less than their male counterparts for the same job. Um, a lot of our listeners are entrepreneurs, business owners. Um, you know, how how can, um, again, business leaders, uh, founders, 
uh, people who you know run their own company or are in the in the decision making position. How can we change that? And what kind of you know is it? Because I think there, there's there's really two sides. There is the change that needs to happen. Uh, at you know the corporations level, at the employer level, but there's that conversation that needs to happen. There needs to be more conversations happening around these issues, so that you know we realize both as employers and as employees the challenges that we're facing. So, how would you recommend that women, you know, who are uh, employing others, uh, kind of help spearhead this change? Yeah. So there's a lot of things. You're absolutely right. Um, we need to rewrite the the narrative um, of how um, we perceive motherhood, how we perceive mm-hmm. maternity leave. And we also need to talk about maternal bias that, um, you know, I think a lot of people hold maternal bias, whether you're um, you know, single man, you're a mother, you're an unmarried woman, whatever mm-hmm. it is. I think a lot of people hold maternal bias mm-hmm. and we, um, to really, um, ensure that, um, we are equipping organizations and leaders, um, with the ability to navigate the maternity leave journey, we developed a, um, a people leaders workshop for organizations to really support um, leaders um, to better understand how to navigate the maternity leave. When someone comes to you and says, I'm expecting a baby, mm-hmm. you know, how do you react to that? And how do you mm-hmm. not react to that? What do you say? <laughs> yes. What do you not say? Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, are you hiring and uh, you're looking at your potentials and thinking, mm, she just got married and yep. she's probably going to have a child in the next mm-hmm. year. So no, I don't think she's a good fit. So it, it's yeah. all of, um, it's like unconscious bias, right? Like we all yeah. hold maternal bias and all, you know, all that bias has, um, com- you know, collectively um, caused us to have a 12% disparity between mothers yeah. and non-mothers uh, and that's mm-hmm. a statistic to statistics canada stat um mm. so i think that there are many ways to challenge the um the motherhood penalty and and mm-hmm. one of those ways is to really check our maternal bias look at the policies that you have look at your expectations of equity like so look at your policies and and really look at it from the lens of, is this inclusive? Is this equitable? Is this Mm -hmm. giving everyone a fair chance at succeeding? If you're holding Mm -hmm. like meetings every, you know, Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. and that's when someone's got, you know, childcare drop off, their daycare opens at 8 a.m., that's not going to set that person up for success, right? Um, So it's really about looking at accommodations and policies and, and, um, really digging deep as to how our um, organizations have been set up. So anything to add, Ben? Well, it's just I, just maybe a little bit on the fatherhood bonus as well, right? Because the, the, the maternal bias comes up because, you know, mothers are seen as 
less committed, uh, you know, less, maybe even less confident when they return, you know, that they're going to be, oh, they're, they're just going to have way too much on their plate. They're not going to be able to stay focused or committed because they've just had this baby. Whereas, you know, there's a thing called the fatherhood bonus that some people aren't aware of, which actually sees men's earning increase more than 6% as a result of becoming a parent because men are seen as more stable uh, and providers when, you know, they become a parent. So it's just, you know, it's interesting to know some of the research and just see how that might be showing up in your own workplace and in your own perceptions of individuals. Mm, Absolutely. And it's interesting because I remember earlier in my career working for a company where, uh, you know, there's certain teams, um, you know, certain areas within a company, typically, uh, you know, a marketing department, for example, is usually comprised of, you know, a little bit, a little bit more women, and typically they mm-hmm. are slightly younger women. And I remember having to uh, hide from HR and management when uh, one of my employees was expecting because I knew there would be penalties mm-hmm. and I knew what the answers would be, right? And it's, ooh, well, she was being considered for a promotion. We're not going to give it to her now because, you know, she's expecting and that's going to change uh, her her productivity or her contribution in the future. And just general comments like, you know, oh, it must be the water on your floor because all your staff is pregnant, right? And it's all mm. these things that are so outdated. And, you know, it, the conversation needs to be different at this point. And at the same time, and this might be, I think there's a bias in there too, but often, you know, mothers, um, and, and this can be true of any individual, but mothers typically have a few things going for themselves. Like they are, you know, very good at multitasking and very good at managing priorities. Um, so I think we just need to completely shift that conversation. And internally in companies, it's it, when we catch one of those old mindsets showing up, it's addressing it right away, right? And helping mm-hmm. change, as you say, the way we, we view uh, mothers within a company. And obviously men who are, you know, about to become fathers who have young kids don't get that treatment. And Mm -hmm. that's just unacceptable in 2021. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. (laughs) And I would like to ask you, um, and I believe, I mean, Jen, you refer to your kids, Sonia, do you have children as well? Yes. I have two kids. Wonderful. What is one thing you wish you knew before you took your first mat leave? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously something I'll, you would have learned yeah. the hard way. <laughs> I, I wish I knew how big of a, an identity shift I would go through. Like I truly thought it was just going to be, you know, a little time off and then, I'd be able to go everywhere with my little one and that, you know, it wouldn't be such a pause, I suppose. Um, Mm -hmm. And I truly had zero clue as to how much it impacted me, like emotionally and and mentally, because I went from, you know, working every day and, and, and coming off work and, and, you know, I, I had about a week before my daughter arrived and, Um, I remember those first like 10 weeks where I was just like, what is happening? Who am I? Like, I remember looking at myself in the mirror and I just couldn't even recognize myself. Like I, it was just such an 
overwhelming experience of change that mm-hmm. was joyful, but also like I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't even keep up with the change that was happening internally. And truly like I had zero clue and, but it's the best thing that happened to me. Um, and, you know, I think I was more prepared with the second one, but the second one also comes with, you know, it's a very different child. It's got, you know, you've got another young one in addition to the second one. So it, that came with a a host of other, um, transitions and and challenges. Um, but yeah, I, I wish I had known how big of an identity shift I would go through. Right. I would say, you know, similarly, I had a complete unraveling of self. I think I recognized how much my identity was uh, tied up in my career and uh, Mm. my business card and my really cute office and, uh, you know, all the things that seemed to... I don't know, really contribute to my self-esteem, sadly. Like at the time, I, I really realized, wow, so much of who I was was wrapped up in what I did. And uh, I experienced something very similar. I was like, who am I now? Who is this person? And and in the best kind of way, the ability to ask yourself some of the really big, hard questions, what am I doing with my life? Uh, I didn't realize it would bring in such a massive shift in uh, the impact that I wanted to have on the world, my core values, uh, and what was truly important. It, you know, that was the shift I made into nonprofit was during my first maternity leave because I sort of thought, you know, if I'm going to be away from my baby, I want it to, to be doing something that really impacts the world in a better way. So, uh, yeah, it was an unraveling of self. And, you know, it always makes me, I talk to a lot of women now, we're obviously on maternity leave. And a lot of them are like, it's great, like big smile. And they're like, yeah, no, I just, yeah, it's awesome. And I can't complain, you know, he sleeps well. And I'm like, but how is it really? Like, how are you? Like, I, and I was the same way. I put on a really brave face during that time. And it wasn't right. until a few years later where I realized, even 12 years later when I realized, wow, what an impact that time had on me. What a shift. What a hard time that was. You know, it doesn't need to be that hard. Uh, And that's why we're here at Matern. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, And those are, you know, those are impactful events and, and realizations to have. And in closing, my favorite question to ask guests on the show, and uh, I like to see, you know, what frame you'll use to to answer it, knowing uh, the the type of work you do with Matern. Uh, what is one thing you wish women would do more of and one thing you wish women would do less of? Whoever wants to answer first. Sonia, you go. <laughs> <laughs> what do I wish women would do less of? Housework. <laughs> yes yes honestly like (laughs) why do women think that they are in charge of the house and only they are in charge of the house like men can (laughs) do do you know the stat that uk women there is a research done that women in the uk spend three extra hours a week redoing household chores that their partners did (laughs) oh wow sad (laughs) unbelievable so sad like 
Yeah, men can do dishes, men can fold laundry, <laughs> men can do all the things. Or your partner. It's not just men, it's your yeah. partner. Yeah. Um it should be shared responsibilities. It should be shared. And it's not that it's like always gonna be 50-50. That's not what this is about. It's about um, you know, having and coming from a place of understanding and compassion, like obviously schedules shift and sometimes one person's doing 90, the other person's doing 10. And but as long as like it's just not always the one person, the mother in particular, doing all of the housework when they're also juggling a lot of other responsibilities, like mm-hmm. a full-time job, you know, whether they're doing, you know, drop-offs, pickups, doctor's appointments, immunizations, all the things, right? So yeah, I, I would say housework. Uh, what I would wish women would do would do more of is follow their intuition. <laughs> and mm. if you know, if you listen or re- you know hear some of the amazing stories that you've had from women leaders, it's like a hundred percent of your intuition is fully developed, mm-hmm. but your ability to trust it isn't. Right. So like, how do you close that gap? And when you, when you hear from stories of other female entrepreneurs, they're like, I just followed this like gut feeling, or I just let myself be curious, or I explored it, or I didn't have to, you know, have it all planned out. I didn't get attached into the outcome of what that needed to look like right away. And so I wish women would follow their intuition more and stop second guessing themselves and letting that inner critic direct their, uh, you know, direct kind of what they're doing. I wish we had the ability to just say, I'm not really sure where this is going to go, but I'm going to follow this feeling and let myself explore it and be curious about it. Because that's Mm. more of a feminine power of uh, model of leadership. I think a lot of us are still entrenched in this masculine model of leadership, which is very linear. And it's very Mm. like, in order, you know, I need to set the goal and I need to know the five steps and how to get there before I take the first step. That is very Mm -hmm. masculine leadership. Feminine power leadership is really like, I don't really know, but I'm feeling this pull. I'm feeling like this intuitive sense. So I'm just going to take the first step without knowing where it's going. I wish women did more of that. Love that. That is such, you ladies have wonderful answers to these questions. I love it. Less housework, more intuition. That's (laughs) (laughs) And a perfect way to end this conversation. Thank you so much, Jen and Sonia. We'll check out Mature and we'll include all the links in our show notes. Congratulations on the platform you've built. This is truly needed uh, in today's world and wishing you much success. I'm looking forward to checking in over the next few months and years. And thank you for speaking with me today. Thanks, Ava. Thank you so much. I really hope you enjoyed today's conversation. And if you did, as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and give us a review wherever that is possible. Thank you to TD Women and Enterprise for their support of The Brand is Female. You've got it in you to succeed. Let TD help guide you. Visit thebrandisfemale.com slash podcast and click on the TD logo. Thanks to Atleta for their support of our wellness series. Designed for women, by women, Atleta's clothing is offered in sizes XXS to 3X, empowering all women to lead active lifestyles with confidence. Atleta is a certified B Corp company and 70% of their products are made using sustainable materials. This commitment has diverted 1.1 million tons of fabric waste from landfills. Additionally, Atleta has contributed $1 million to their workers in fair trade certified factories. 
shop Athleta at athleta.gapcanada.ca, visit Athleta at Vancouver's Park Royal or Toronto's Yorkdale Mall, and find them on Instagram at Athleta. Thank you so much for listening to a podcast by The Brand is Female. I'm Ava Hartling, and this episode was produced by our team. Sound engineering by Isabel Morris. Research and production support, Claire Miglionico. Marketing and digital growth, Kayla Gillis. And partnerships, Natalie Hope. Yeah.